Oh, we're in for a long one. A long weekend, that is. And you deserve to spend it on the couch with a glass of something good. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered quickly. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. You're listening to the Rock and Roll Heaven Podcast with LD and Will the Thrill. Can you dig that, baby? Hey guys, welcome to Rock and Roll Heaven, the podcast where we talk about the lives, careers, and deaths of famous musicians. I am your host, LD. With me this week is Will the Thrill. Hello. Hello, honey. <laughs> Hi, hon. We've had a week, so let's just start the episode. Yeah, let's, well, I'm happy because I actually don't know a lot about this individual. Yeah, and you know what's crazy is that today we're going to be talking about the life of Nick Cordero, who was a Broadway star. And it's really sad because, number one, he's in the pantheon of the youngest artists we've talked about because he's actually only... A year and 12 days older than me. That is scary. And he is your age. Yeah, that's so worrisome. It really is. So again, we are talking about people who we have sadly lost to COVID in the first eight months, nine months of the year. It's really tragic that we have enough people of note that um, have passed to this, that we have a series on them. It's very sad. We actually just found out today that, was it Mark Mothersbaugh? Oh, no, I didn't hear this. He No, he's alive. Oh, jeez, don't scare uh, me like He that. just recovered from COVID, <sighs> but he had it so incredibly bad that he was actually hallucinating that he had created a completely new album with Devo. Are you serious? Yes. So, uh, and, and just for those who need a timestamp, we are still kind of mourning the loss of... Chadwick Boseman Um, our hearts go out to his family and this one hit hard just because he he's from my home state he actually is from the town I went to college in and so he was one of the you know the hometown boy makes good kind of stories and so we are truly going to miss him he was such a light in the world and he really gave you know in astonishing performances of everything he did from, you know, 42 to a, a film that we're going to talk about because uh, it's gonna, he did the James Brown film, Get On Up. I keep forgetting he was in that. Yeah, he was James Brown. Which is incredible. And Who of, was from South Carolina. Yeah, and of course, Black Panther. So, you know, uh, we, we wish... We're, I'm pretty sure his family and friends don't listen to this podcast, but, you know, our hearts genuinely go out to them. So, rest in peace. But uh, moving on to news that isn't any happier. Yeah, not much better. Uh, we are going to be talking about Nick Cordero today. And so you said you don't know a lot about it. But the thing is, unless you're in this community, you really don't know people. You know, like, I'm sure if you're in the auto industry, you know who all the auto giants are, right? Like, you know, oh, I know the CEO at Volkswagen or whatever. But Broadway stars, unless you really follow the community or you're this massive breakout star from it, 
you really don't know anyone's name. It's uh, unfortunate because also look at the state of Broadway now. Everything is shut down. So, you know, these people who would otherwise, as you put it, be known within their circle, uh, their circle's not really there at this point. Yeah. It's really sad. Yeah. And I mean, I like my greats are, of course, Megan Hilty. I think she is incredibly talented. Hadley Fraser, of course, is like, you know, my, my, my Broadway crush. Stephanie J. Block, who is incredible. We saw her in 9 to 5. So I have my favorites that I truly do love because Sutton Foster. Uh oh God, Sutton Foster is such an incredible dancer and a great she has a, an amazing voice too. Oh, yeah. Uh but yeah, again like Can we just talk about the regiment for a moment of Broadway actors, how grueling that actually is? Not well, that I've done it, but Well you legitimately have to be a triple threat. So you have to be able to sing, dance, act. And not only that, but your your day starts uh, by stretching and you have to do your vocal training you have to do your workouts you have to do your exercise you got you have all this stuff that you have to do then you have rehearsals blocking fittings mic checks I mean, it's just everything that you have to go through there's a great video on cracked which I feel like can kind of translate from what the actual topic is to what Broadway stars go through, and that is like an opera singer. So they have to keep their body in tip-top shape while being able to kind of stumble through like seven different languages and keeping their instrument, which literally, like if you drink milk, Mm. can destroy. Or alcohol. Yeah. Peppers. There's like a list of a thousand things that you can't eat because it... There goes 90% of my personality. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, so this one, it's so rare that I actually get to talk about the Broadway community and get to talk about something that I'm incredibly passionate about. I'm really sad that shows like Beetlejuice did close because we never got to see it. And the stage production alone, like the production value of the setting alone was incredible. It is amazing. And I don't think that we got the opportunity to do a pro shot, but we did find out like today that there is going to be a Dear Evan Hansen movie starring Amy Adams and possibly Ben Platt. And one of the guys from the movie Escape Room is going to be in it. Oh, nice. So I'm like super excited. <laughs> so, But I never get to talk about this. And so... I'm really sad that it took the passing of someone so incredibly talented who had so much potential and so much more inside of him being lost to us that this is the opportunity that I get to talk about it. So let's jump into, sorry that that was a a huge introduction, but um, we're going to talk about Nick Cordero today. And Nick was born in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, which, correct me if I'm wrong, is this the first Canadian that we've ever had? I find that hard to believe, considering we're a rock and roll podcast. There had to be some Canadians. Maybe they just oh my gosh. die. Ryan Reynolds is probably immortal. Well, he is. He's Deadpool. That's why they cast him for Deadpool. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so his parents were Eduardo Cordero and Leslie Cordero. His father was originally from Costa Rica, and both of his parents were teachers. He has two siblings, a sister, which is Amanda Cordero, and a brother, for who the life of me, I could literally not even find his name. That's insulting. <laughs> somebody somebody wrote down that he had two siblings. One was Amanda and a brother. That was literally what it said. And I spent a good, not even joking, half hour trying to find out about his siblings. And there's nothing about a brother. So 
He may or may not have one. If you are Nick Cordero's brother, I am sorry. Hit us up on our socials and please provide this information. Yes, please, because I could not find it. Side note, he called Hamilton the Pittsburgh of Canada. So I have a grand idea of what Hamilton, Ontario, Canada is like. It is quite descriptive. Yeah. When I was 10, I was in a gang of roughnecks who smoked cigarettes near the train tracks. It's a good thing I got into theater early because I could have gotten into some trouble, (laughs) which is a great quote from Nick, just kind of looking back on his younger years, but like 10 years old in a gang in Canada. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. (laughs) There's got to be a sitcom there somewhere. (sighs) Uh, He graduated from Westdale Secondary School in Hamilton, and he performed frequently as an adolescent in school shows and local theaters. And he attended Ryerson University in Toronto to study acting, but he actually dropped out to join a band called Love Method. Fun fact about Love Method. I tried to to find out anything about Love Method, and I could not. So maybe his brother is in Love Method. Nick Cordero, shrouded in mystery. (laughs) So uh, he said that my parents were trying to put two other kids through college. See, so he does have a brother. Clearly, yeah. He was trying to put two other kids through college, so they were like, great. So him dropping out was like a good thing. Go join a band. Go join a band. The group's guitarist, Ro Sardana, told the Post, we were signed to a subsidiary of Universal Records and put put out an album in 2000, but the momentum slowed down and Nick went back to acting. So he arrived in New York City in 2004 with high hopes and a freshly dented resume. Uh, his professional acting career began with Tony and Tina's wedding in Toronto. And if I'm not mistaken, that is like a dinner theater kind of uh, everybody get in on the act. That's my under- I've never seen thing. it, but I, I think so. Yeah. That was in Toronto, followed by a two-year stint working on a cruise ship. Hey, it's work. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not laughing at that. I'm laughing at the story that's oh, coming up. Okay. <laughs> because he was working on this cruise ship as an entertainer. And he had returned inebriated to the docked boat in Germany, failed a breathalyzer test, and had been fired. To just leave him in Germany? No, they put him on a boat and sent him back to Canada. (laughs) And he picked up and then he moved to New York. But yeah, I've only been on one cruise, which was so much fun. It is wild, yeah. Oh my God, it was so... but, you know, it was a Disney cruise. We're not sponsored by, by Disney unless they want to sponsor us. And then by all means, yeah, give me that give me that mouse check. Wait, give me that check mouse. There he is. We'll be happy to go on a cruise and, and plug it on our show. Yep. Uh, but we, we went and it was terrific. And that was the thing. The performers were so incredibly good. It is a high standard. And, I mean, a lot of people do that because they're trying to get something consistent to bring in, you know, to pay the bills. Oh, Yeah. Because everyone should know that acting is not a stable and or lucrative job unless you're like the top 10% of performers. Very few of us make it. I didn't make it. That's why I do a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) In 2005, he appeared on an episode of Queer as Folk as a character named Tuna Rap. And for those who don't know, uh, Queer as Folk is... A, it was a British show first, and it got moved over to America on Showtime, and it follows the lives of five gay men in Pittsburgh. So it's interesting that he would mm-hmm. say that it's the Pittsburgh of Canada, and then he'd be his one of his first jobs was on a show about Pittsburgh, the Ontario of Pennsylvania. <laughs> 
In 2007, he appeared on a short called Apartments at 254. So Cordero's stage debut was the title role of the off-Broadway production of The Toxic Avenger, which opened officially on October 10th, 2008. And that show, the show itself, would go on to win the Outer Critics Circle Award. Uh, He had songs that were called Who Will Save Jersey? (laughs) Nice. Everybody Dies and Hot Toxic Love. See, this is why we need Broadway people. Uh, Yes. Actually, I... (laughs) I've never been to one, but I want to go to one of the like off-Broadway shows that are based on films because they had Evil Dead. Yeah, with the splash zone. Yeah. With the splash zone, and I really wanted to see that. And was it the place where we saw Tim Curry perform? The Rockwell Table and Stage. Rockwell Table and Stage will do things like Romeo and Juliet, but it'll be a rock and roll version they did mean girls like before it was like kind not kind of yeah kind of the troubadours oh man i really miss theater <laughs> the troubadours are great but yeah uh, that was an off-broadway show also bat boy bat boy was an off-broadway show really I didn't yes hear about that one yes uh in 2012 featuring music and lyrics by steven schwartz and a book by roger o'herson Pippin tells the story of a prince struggling to find meaning and significance in his life. And that cast included Claiborne Elder as Pippin and Nick Cordero as the leading player. And I do believe that that was something like Kansas or Chicago or some fair like that. That wasn't Broadway. The touring show or? Yes, I believe so. He joined the National Touring Company of Rock of Ages, playing Bourbon Room owner Dennis Tupree, and then later played that role in Broadway. And that is his Broadway debut. So he actually did the touring company as Dennis, and then did the Broadway as the company man and Dennis Dupree. Now, in the film, that role is Alec Baldwin? Yes. Okay. And there is no company man. Got it. Okay. He appeared on the TV show Lilyhammer, which I was... I was vaguely aware the show existed, but I feel like you know all of the gangster and mobster TV shows and movies, so did you know anything about Lilyhammer? I know Steve Van Zandt was in it. I didn't watch it, though. He directed it. And he was in it, too, yeah. wasn't he? I don't, yeah, well, you're, you're the, you're the mob, mafia. I, you're the mob expert. Yes, there are some of from New Jersey. I kind of have to be. But basically, this is about a New York mobster who goes into hiding in rural Lilyhammer in Norway after testifying against his former associates. So you're going to start seeing a connection with all of Nick Cordero's roles. I think I see where this is going. I like it. (laughs) But after a decade, think about that, a decade of just hustling and working and having so many doors slammed in your face and being said no or getting the closing papers for the show you know, getting uh, ejected from a cruise ship because you were too drunk to be on a boat. He earned that one. <laughs> he was tired. He was tired. And so by 2014, he was actually going to go for his real estate broker's license. Oh, wow. He was going to give up. Huh? He was going to quit completely, which is interesting because if you watch the show uh, Smash, Annalie Ashford's character does give up Broadway to be a real estate agent. I did not realize that, or I forgot about it. (laughs) Again, 
it's me. Clyde Alves said he was getting older and could not establish a substantial run on Broadway. He wanted a, stab- a steadier way to make ends meet. Nick said, I was in classes to be a real estate agent. I needed something solid in my life. And this business is so mercurial. In the future, I hope to have a continuing relationship with real estate. <laughs> and then, out of the blue, he got an audition. It was for the musical adaptation of the film Bullets Over Broadway. Nice. A film and play I've enjoyed. Yes. Original cast was Nick Cordero and Zach Braff. And I'll get into it right now, but there's no other place for me to play this song. And I feel like if you guys are from my home state, if you're from South Carolina, you will quickly figure out why I have to play this song, even though it only kind of vaguely features Nick Cordero's voice. But uh, yeah, you know what? Here it goes.
Okay, can you figure out why I wanted to play that song, honey? Uh, I think it has to do with Clemson University. You didn't say it right. How did it, Clemson? It's Clemson. It's the silent P that doesn't get written in. But yeah, the same <laughs> one. So I will actually play Nick Cordero's song in a little bit. But uh, So he basically thought that there was no way he was going to get the job, said Klutz, who I am going to introduce a little bit later because she is incredibly important to this story. Nick figured that he did, it was a sign, and he got cast and was nominated for a Tony. Which role did he play? He played Cheech. Oh, he did play Cheech, okay. He played Cheech. Uh, he created the role of Cheech, actually, which memorably had been played on screen by uh, Chaz Parliamentary. Mm-hmm. And that's the tap-dancing, theater-loving gangster with a surprising knack for writing for the stage. Who will have another tie-in with Nick Cordero. <laughs> yes, he will. It seems like that Chaz and him, what was the word? Gelled. Mm. That's the word. Of course, this was written by Woody Allen. And Woody Allen is the master of the punchline. But he doesn't hit it right on the head, he told me. Say the line like you'd say anything. If it's funny, great. If it's not, it's my fault, not yours. Wait, Woody Allen said this to him? Yes, Woody Allen. That's pretty amazing. Woody Allen told Nick that. In his review for the New York Times, Ben Brantley, who, if you know anything about Broadway, he is basically the Siskel and Ebert and Gene Shalit, and literally every other critic of theater. And that's the, that's like basically the guy you want to impress. And didn't he appear as himself in Smash? Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> so Ben said, Mr. Cordero never pushes for effort, even when he's leading a homicidal dance number to taint nobody's business if I do. And somehow that dopey mass-murdering thug an actor playing him stands out as being far more endearing and earnest than anybody else. For that performance, Mr. Cordero received a Tony nomination for Best Performance by an Actor in a Featured Role in a Musical, a Drama Desk nomination for an Outstanding Feature Actor in a Musical, and a Theater World Award for Outstanding Broadway Debut Performance. Just after he was going to give up, right? Exactly. So right now I'm actually going to play the song that Ben makes a reference to Taint Nobody's Business, If I Do. Morality? What the hell does that word mean? Public opinion? I make my own public opinion, so don't give me any lectures. If I should take a notion to jump into the ocean, taint nobody's business if I do. If I dislike my lover and leave her for another, taint nobody's business if I do. Well, I won't call no copper if I'm beat up by my papa. Tain't nobody's business if I do. Tain't nobody's business rather than persecute you. I choose that I would shoot you. Tain't nobody's business. Tain't nobody's stupid business. Tain't nobody's business if I do. Just as you please, regardless of their talking. Oftentimes, the ones that talk will get down on their knees and beg your pardon for their squawking. Take nobody's business if I do. Ain't nobody's lousy business. 
on Sunday, burn down my school on Monday. Listening to an original cast recording and they leave the tap dancing number in <laughs> <laughs> because there's nothing that gets me going better than a great tap number, which is why I love King of New York, Anything Goes, Bullets Over Broadway, all that stuff is so, oh man. And then I, uh, I did realize that I will get to geek out on four separate occasions because we will be doing, if you guys are enjoying this particular episode we will be doing a series on broadway stars so hmm. that <laughs> but let's get back to nick but yeah that that is a great song from the show because there is that big tap number and that's the thing that we're talking about nick was a a really great tap dancer even though i don't think he actually thought he was a good dancer at all <laughs> but uh we'll talk about that in a second because i want to introduce you to someone her name is Amanda Klutz. She is a former Radio City Rocket who kind of felt found herself in the middle of a divorce, kind of down. But she met Nick while they were starring in Bullets Over Broadway in 2014. The Ohio-born Klutz was a member of the ensemble cast. And it's really cute because, remember the picture I showed you? Oh, the bus? Yes. Yes. They share a bus ad. So guys, we are going to take a short break 
break for some of our advertisers so we can pay some bills and we'll be right back. That cold case you're listening to? Nasty stuff. But you know what else is a crime? Missing even a moment of whatever you're doing to go on a drink run. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered in under 60 minutes. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. And we are back, continuing our story on Nick Cordero. They they share a bus ad. So if you ever if you've ever been to New York City or even seen something that was filmed in New York City, the the they'll wrap a bus in a Broadway show, and Nick and Amanda actually share a bus together, which is really really cute. But you could tell very quickly that Nick and Amanda were falling for each other. Says Casey Levy, a friend of the couple's, he just adored her and was wowed by her, and she felt the same way about him. And when the show ended. Uh, Kalutz actually started a fitness company because she was kind of in the same boat as Nick where she was tired of not having the stability, mm-hmm. but she had the ability to teach. And so that's what she does. So she's actually currently a fitness instructor. So she didn't go back to Broadway? Yeah, no, she's she uh, she owns her own fitness company. Oh, okay. And Nick continued to star on Broadway. And on August 24th, after five months and a hundred offings <laughs> on the St. James stage, Broadway said goodbye to Bullets Over Broadway, and Nick got released back into the theater wild, which has to be, that's going to be hard, like getting your walking papers mm-hmm. and knowing that you have to do the whole process over again. You have to go get those open calls. You have to do the dances. You have to be <laughs> come dressed to move. You're just totally resetting at that point. Yeah, but at least he's got a Tony nomination under his belt at this point. I think that would help. Yeah. In 2015, he co-starred in the musical Brooklynite, which I'm really sad that we didn't get to see. It was a superhero musical helmed by the director, Michael Mayer, who did Hedwig and the Angry Inch and Spring Awakening. Ooh, that one I wanted to see. Well, that's Duncan Sheik, so of course. Yeah, he did the music, yeah. Yeah, and this has music and lyrics by Peter Lerman, who actually won a Jonathan Larson Award. and For, for, for what show? Oh, it doesn't have. Oh, it does. Okay. It doesn't have it. But for those who don't know, Jonathan Larson wrote what I would consider like hmm. my coming of age musical, which was Rent. I have seen it 37 times in six different cities. You've seen it about 15 times with me. Just with you, yeah. So anytime I have a chance to go see Rent, I will mm-hmm. go see it. I got to see the original Broadway cast of that show when I was 16. In a good Broadway cast to see all original oh members. God. Daphne, Ruben Vega, Adina Menzel, Tay Diggs before he cheated on Adina Menzel. I'm just saying. But then you have... Jesse L. Martin. Yeah, Adam Pascal, who uh, I keep running into. (laughs) Which is fine. (laughs) I live in Los Angeles, and I have met him twice, and he remembered who I was. He's a nice guy. Very nice guy. Star of Memphis. Anyway, um, (laughs) if you guys can't tell, I do love Broadway so, so much. But this had a book by uh, Peter and Michael, and the, the choreography was by Stephen Hoggett from Once an American Idiot. So, like, we have, this is a great collection of directors, books, lyric, choreography, all of it is stellar. It's a super group of Broadway talent. Yeah. 
in Brooklyn Night, a character named Trey is an idealistic hardware store clerk who dreams of becoming a superhero. Astro Lass. <laughs> uh, Brooklyn's most celebrated superhero is determined to throw in the cape and live like a normal Brooklynite. <laughs> when they meet, they hatch a plan that will change their lives forever. But can they save Brooklyn when it suddenly teeters on the brink of disaster? It was inspired by the real story of the Brooklyn Superhero Supply Company located in Park Slope with characters that were created by Michael Cab uh, Caban and Alette Waldman. And this is uh, his Nick Cordero is the uh, Avenging Angelo, <laughs> an unemployed gamer from Bensonhurst whose rather modest if hilarious gift is being able to locate empty parking spots. That is not to be underrated. Let's let's hang on. Let, that in is not New, to be in New York and Los yeah. Angeles. That is a gift. Any major city, jeez, Boston, <laughs> Miami. I'd hire that guy. I'm I'm really sad that we missed that show. I'm so that sad. Been fun. Yeah. So uh, because of his performance in Bullets Over Broadway, he actually got to appear on the 68th Tony Awards, which was hosted by Hugh Jackman. Which is not the year they did the song Bigger. or And then they didn't do Adam Schlesinger's song, It's Not Just for Gays Anymore. Well, that was Neil Patrick Harris. Those were Neil Patrick Harris. This is the one where Hugh Jackman was hopping <laughs> from beginning to end. <laughs> That's and right. It was very, Hugh Jackman. Come on. Very nauseating. Look, but he's Hugh Jackman. It's Hugh Jackman. I'm just going to leave it at that. It's Hugh Jackman. On May 25th, 2016... He did get his opportunity to be back on Broadway and create another character. He's kind of like Christian Borle, who <laughs> will will come onto a show and just create this character. Like uh, in he was in Peter and the Starcatcher. Yep, and uh, Shakespeare. Uh, he was the bard mm -hmm. in Something Rotten. He created the role of Emmett in Legally Blonde. So. Literally, Nick Cordero is kind of like Christian, who comes in and just creates these iconic roles. And he was starring opposite Tony winner Jesse Mueller in Sarah Bareilles' film adaptation, a Broadway musical adaptation of the film, Waitress. Waitress, yeah. Yeah. Offering humanity and depth to a difficult character, Earl, the abusive, desperate husband of expert pie maker Jenna. And if you guys don't know, Waitress is based on the 2007 film by the late Adrian Shelley and features a book by Jesse Nelson. It follows Jenna, a small-town waitress stuck in a loveless and abusive marriage. As a nearby baking contest approaches, she is torn between her commitments and, thanks to her pie-making expertise, a chance at freedom. And this is a really, this is a hard show for me. I do love it because Sarah Bareilles' writing is exquisite. Uh, it's just the morality of the tale that I have a right. problem with. But it did star Kiela Settle. And so I'm kind of torn because she is a goat. I love her. It'd still be a good show. Yeah. Nick stated in an interview with Broadway.com that he had, I've admired their careers for a long time and they've brought me on board and they were very welcoming. And they gave me a seat at the table to discover this character, who he was. And I'm going to enjoy the whole ride. He actually left that production on September 23rd. So I'm going to play a song from that called 
You Will Still Be Mine, which honestly, the song kind of makes me really depressed. <laughs> so enjoy. Remember my clean shade back in our old days when we were just kids. I hear my six strand and you had your own thing, though I don't remember what it is. I wrote your love songs and you liked that sad one, so I played it all the time. can't be it when the sun won't shine what was a baby till the sun don't shine you will still be mine that's right Are ties that bind. Sing it, honey. Till the sun don't shine, you will still be mine. Yeah, so what did you think of that song? I really liked it. Again, it has kind of sort of a late 90s kind of somewhat moody alt-rock kind of feel to it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but that was the thing about Nick, was he could take a character that you that you were supposed to despise and make him relatable or or endearing. And that was that was something that Nick was able to do with with any of these roles. So, like I said, he stepped out of the role of Earl and Can you just pick her up? Yeah, she's going over there. Ruka. Ruka. I have a cat invasion. <laughs> You are going to give yourself brain damage one day, weirdo. So like I said, he actually left Waitress. But the reason why he left Waitress was so he could create the leading role of Sonny in A Bronx Tale, the musical. Which was, again, based on a book by Chaz Palminteri. Oh, yeah. And then the film and a solo show about growing up in the mafia. And he... Here's where this, like, snatched me. Was the music is by Alan Menken. I actually didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. With books and lyric by uh, Glenn Slater. 
And in his New York Times review, Charles Eislerwood wrote that the terrific Mr. Cordero radiates a cool charisma that mixes a surface... Geniality? Geniality. Geniality? Yeah, geniality. Like congeniality? Yes. yes. Okay. And just so I'm getting that name right. Charles Isherwood. Isherwood? Mm-hmm. Okay. In his New York Times review, Charles Isherwood wrote that the terrific Mr. Cordero radiates a cool charisma that mixes a surface geniality. Yeah. <laughs> That's a hard word. With a struggling ruthlessness, Mr. Cordero, Mr. Cordero's work was again recognized by the Drama Desk with a nomination for an Outstanding Actor in a Musical. Uh, ever since his breakout role, ow! Ever since his breakout role in Cheech in the musical adaptation of Bolts Over Broadway, Nick has been the go-to guy for these brooding, tough characters who <laughs> might not instantly win over the aud- the audiences and get their sympathy, but because he's so nuanced and so sensitive, he always provides, he always proves that there's more than meets the eye. And all the, oh my God. Ruka, stop. Cordero always proves that there's more to meet than, Cordero proves that there's more than meets the eye in all the characters that he plays. In A Bronx Tale, he plays Sonny, the most respected, feared gangster in the title borough. Who I always forget that the Bronx is a borough. Yeah, don't do that around Nanny. She'll get very angry. <laughs> and Staten Island. Well, she's okay with letting that one go. <laughs> so is New Jersey, so. If you guys don't know anything about Mr. Will the Thrill, <laughs> he is a Jersey boy. We have family in two boroughs because we have Brooklyn and the Bronx, right? Yeah, Brooklyn and the Bronx. Brooklyn and the Bronx. I lived in Queens for a while and Manhattan. And then... We have John in Staten Island, right? Yeah, he's in Staten. Okay, so we have to the five boroughs. Yeah. We have to the five boroughs. Hang on. So in the show, he shows his mercy and loyalty to young Caliguero. Caliguero? Caliguero? That's my guess. Uh, So in the show, he shows mercy and loyalty to young Caliguero, which is Bobby Conti Thornton, by taking him under his wing when he protects him from the cops. Even though the character is famously played on screen by, again, Chaz Palminteri, who also did the original Cheats and Cheech in the film Bullets Over Broadway, Cordero had a way of imprinting his own seal onto them. His take on Sonny especially charms the pants off of any audience member while intimidating them and keeping them on the edge of their seats. So he had this magnetism about him where even if he's playing a thug, a gangster, a criminal, it doesn't matter. He had his way of turning the audience to him. Mm. And that, that that says something. When you can get the audience on your side, 
Oh, sure. It makes her an interesting, uh, interesting heel. Well, I do. I'm trying to think of like baddies that you care about is <laughs> like, but general B F N in the Book of Mormon mm, when yeah. he when he's when he gets his hand grabbed by Elder Price, like you're like, yay, <laughs> you're on our side. <laughs> but there's there's it's 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 very interesting when you when you like characters you're not supposed to like. Yeah, it's fun. It yeah. is fun. <sighs> Cordero said it was a great role. I get to sing. I get great songs to sing. He's not boring. I've had the luxury of it running for a while, so after a while you can relax into what you're doing and let the performance be a little bit more visceral. In a way, the performance becomes simpler, easier over time. Cordero was nominated for the Drama Desk uh, for A Bronx Tale, and with reason. He gives a star turn, the rare kind of performance you can you simply can't imagine anyone else giving. So now I'm going to play a song from A Bronx Tale, which is called One of the Great Ones. And I think through this song, you'll kind of understand what we're talking about by being able to hold that audience on his side. There's a kind of a girl who can send your heart whirling away. But those are the kind you don't happen to find every day. You'll meet smart ones and tough ones, just good enough ones. Their fine kid go out there, enjoy. But in all of your life, you get only three shots at the real McCoy. And this one could be one of the great ones. This one could be one of the ones you won't forget. If the stars in her eyes make your confidence rise like a rocket that's ready to blow, then she might be one of your great ones. Don't let her go. Now you know instantly when one of your three comes along. Cause she gazes at you and it's like you can do nothing wrong. All the sweet ones, the slight ones, the close but not quite ones. With them, you just get what you see. But the great ones, kid, what they're showing you is the man you could be. And this girl could be one of the great ones. This one could be one of the ones on who you bet. You fly off the rails with the wind in your sails. Whenever she sends you a glance, then she might be one of your great ones. Don't blow your chance. knows you'll come through and makes you believe it somehow 
Then, kid, you found one of those great ones. Go to her now. Go to her now. Kid, go to her now. Yeah, this one could be one of those great ones. This one could be one of the ones you won't regret. Let your three slip away, and you'll wonder one day if maybe, if only, but oh, you don't forget one of your great ones. Trust me, I know. Trust me, I know. Uh, that has just got that iconic, what I call New York sound. I don't know if it's the Tin Pan Alley term or sort of that big band meets Billy Joel meets Sinatra kind of swing to it. Yeah. It's. Veruca. Good Lord. Here. Here's one of your great ones. Yeah, I'm sure she is. Come on, you. Talk to the mic. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely understand what you mean by that. And I'm really sad that I didn't get more into A Bronx Tale. But I think it was because it was going up against Hamilton hmm. at the time. And so... uh let me check that. Yeah, I, I was in I was in a hardcore Hamilton phase. Okay, she's got to get out. Okay. She's got to go because she's going to knock this over. All right, Rebecca, you're going to destroy shit. Come on. I am kind of sad that I did not spend more time on A Bronx Tale but to be fair, on September 25th, 2015, we all know what came out. <laughs> and so I was kind of in the heat of a Hamilton fever. <laughs> and uh, that's my only excuse. It'd still be a great show. I mean, the music is great. I've seen the movie. I haven't seen the musical. Yeah, well, your parents actually saw it. Yeah, they did. And the they original was, cast. Yeah. yeah, and they said it was great. So they actually got to see Nick perform. Which is, yeah, again, had no idea at the time. No idea. Yeah. So in March 2017, Cordero rented an Airbnb in Woodstock, New York, ahead of Klutz's birthday. And the day before their trip, Klutz said that she got her nails done with ten little evil eyes on every one of my nails. And I came home and showed Nick my manicure, and he was like, oh, wow, that's great. And thinking ahead, he's like, I'm going to propose to her, and there are going to be a lot of photos online, <laughs> and she's got ten evil eyes on her finger. And so he contacted Amanda's sister and bought nail polish and nail polish remover with him up to the Hudson because he thought that he would want to take the manicure off <laughs> because he figured there was going to be a lot of photos on it's funny. on Instagram. <laughs> Gotta think of these things these days. Yeah, so the morning after my birthday, he was like, Let's start the morning off with a little adventure. I want to take you somewhere, and then we'll go get breakfast. And I was like, great. And we were driving up to this place, and he won't tell me where we're going. 
So we pull up to this castle that our friend Nicole and Michael had taken us to. And I'm like, it was like a year before. And it's a very cold, snowy day, but it's also sunny. And we walk up to the castle and there's just one other couple. And they're kind of like hanging out, but they, they sort of dissipate. And we're standing in this beautiful kind of scene looking out at the Hudson Valley and I look over and he got down on one knee and he said this beautiful little speech that, you know, of course I can't remember. <laughs> and then I say, yes, of course. And then we got into the car and we called our families and we went and got breakfast. We love getting breakfast pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a direct quote from uh, Amanda herself. So in, in that same year, 2017, so just kind of taking it back, he, that is so sweet. <laughs> That is so romantic. Uh, what are you? What are you looking for? I, I like pancakes too. <sighs> yeah, never lose that spark in your marriage, kids. <laughs> never lose that spark. I'm I'm a sucker for proposals, mm -hmm. big or small. Doesn't matter. I'm a sucker for love. <laughs> I love watching proposals. I've gotten to see a couple live, and they're really, really cute. And I will occasionally just watch proposal videos on YouTube. <laughs> and my husband will come in and I will be a puddle on the floor and he'll turn off YouTube <laughs> and everything will be okay. Uh, he got to play the role of Victor Lugo in the episodes Out of the Blue and Heavy as the Head in the fourth and ten episodes of the eighth season of the CBS police procedural drama Blue Bloods, which has Tom Zellick and... His fantastic mustache. Yes, it does. Uh, he reprised that role in 2018 in Your Six, the 12th episode of the eighth season of the show. Hmm. On September 3rd, 2017, Nick and Amanda married in a formal ceremony. We've both worked on Broadway, so just being south of Times Square, 30 floors up, right in the middle of the skyscrapers, seems so perfect. If you go online... And just Google Nick Cordero wedding. Mm -hmm. It is gorgeous. That venue is really yeah. nice? Yeah. Yes. If you guys don't know, I I, I have like 38 jobs. <laughs> but one of them is actually a wedding videographer in Southern California. And I'm watching these videos and I'm watching his, I'm watching his wedding video, which is up on YouTube. It's just... It's so romantic, and you look at the two of them, and they just look at each other, and you get gooey. It's, they're just precious. I I love love. Uh, the venue served as the couple's inspiration, which translated into an evening full of metallic gold touches and timeless style. <laughs> the couple invited 70 guests, which is something we can never have again. Yeah. At least for now. <laughs> Mostly Broadway performers themselves to witness a special ceremony and dance party overlooking Manhattan. And so uh, just go online and look at the pictures. They're really, really cute. I'm going to post a couple on our Instagram. Uh, it's just adorable. And then they did their first dance. They didn't want to do a Broadway dance. But their first dance is also online and really cute. Maybe I'll try to post that onto our Facebook page. Okay. But yeah, their 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 wedding was beautiful. Uh, so back to his job in the 2018 Broadway Center stage production of Little Shop of Horrors at the Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts. Nick played the sadistic dentist Orin, oh, nice. which if you guys have seen 
the remake of the film is played by Steve Martin. One of my favorite comics of all time. Yeah. And not an actual cast member on SNL. But he was on it so many times, people thought he was. Yes. Uh, Jess Radnor was Seymour. And then, you know who played Megan, uh, who who played Audrey? I think you just told me, right? Yeah, I did. <laughs> is it Megan Hilty? Yeah, Megan Hilty awesome. played Audrey, which makes sense. She does have that really, she can she can get that like little I nasally voice. So cute. And uh, Tony winner, James Monroe, Michael Hart as Audrey too. And the original Seymour, Lee Wilkoff as Mr. Mushnick. Oh, wow. That's cool casting. I love it when yeah. they, they do that. They give that nod because I will say, I don't think it had the impact that it attended, it intended to have. But when they did Rocky Horror, Let's Do the Time Warp Again mm-hmm. for Fox, Dr. Frankenfurter was played by Laverne Cox, right? Laverne yeah. Cox. But that role was originally by Tim Curry, who actually took on the Charles Gray character, mm-hmm. which is the criminologist. Mm-hmm. So that was nice to see, to be able to see Tim Curry in a role again. I, I just love it when they do that, mm-hmm. when they can incorporate someone who was in the role originally. Yeah. And then Nick and Amanda welcomed their first child, Elvis Eduardo Cordero, at 6.41 a.m. on June 10th. Hey, that's your dad's birthday, birthday yep. at Mount Sinai West, weighing in at seven pounds and 15 ounces. See, I could find the baby's weight, but I can't find Nick's siblings. Names. <laughs> uh, Nick and his family later moved to Los Angeles, where they started a newly mounted production of Rock of Ages, the show which marked his Broadway debut. So Rock of Ages is a really cool show because it actually started in the clubs before becoming a long-running Broadway smash, and a feature film. And so what they did was really cool. They actually created the Bourbon Room. The club itself? The club itself. Nice. That's a cool idea. So what they did was they created, it's sort of like a dual, it's kind of like Rockwell. A show within a show? Yeah, yeah, but it's kind of like Rockwell Table and Stage, where you can sit down and you can have dinner, but then there's a show that goes on, and if you go to their website, Nick is still listed in the cast. Oh, nice. And that just broke my heart. But, uh, but yeah, it, uh, it actually opened for non-theater guests as well. So you could just, like, go in and have a drink or have dinner at the Bourbon Room. Hmm. So if you ever just wanted to, to say you did that. That is cool. It is cool. And according to the press release, that venue is also going to be available for a variety of things, including Grammy parties, film screenings, live concert events, gallery openings, art installations, culinary events, and more. And it includes a mini stage for pop-up performances, weekend activity, and available for, like, space that you can just, like, rent if you want to have a party of your own. Or weddings, I guess. All things that have been canceled. Yeah, not anymore. (laughs) Which is exactly what happened to Rock of Ages on March 14th due to concerns over the pandemic. So they shut the show down? They shut the show down. So yeah, the the show, like a lot of things in California, actually shut down due to the concerns over the pandemic. And this show specifically closed its doors on March 14th. So unfortunately now, we're not actually up to the day of his passing. But 
six days after the show closed, March 20th, his symptoms were initially intermittent and didn't seem to align with those frequently associated with COVID-19. He could not get out of bed, so, so tired, no energy, but that was really his only symptom, Klutz told BuzzFeed at the time. He actually went to urgent care and was diagnosed with pneumonia. Now, I'm going to say this really quick because I'm just going to kind of go through this step by step. It is so rare on an episode of Rock and Roll Heaven that A, we get to talk about a Broadway star, but B, we have something that is so incredibly well-documented due to social media. We really haven't covered this. So even though we've had people like James Ingram, who passed away, and Peter Tork, who passed away, Amanda, because of her fitness business, was really of social media presence, and she kind of turned her Instagram into updates for Nick. So what I'm going to read to you is a combination of Instagram posts by Amanda herself and a timeline provided by People Magazine. And so we're just going to kind of dive into that now. Okay, sounds like a journal of what happened. It really is, and it's kind of it's kind of terrible and wonderful at the same time that we have this information and we have this timeline of this this beautiful man's life laid out that we can we can go back to and remember him but it's kind of heartbreaking because as i read this this is such a tragedy and it and it, and it kind of didn't need to happen okay so he went into the urgent care and was diagnosed with pneumonia on april 1st amanda posted that nick was feeling worse and was hospitalized while waiting for COVID-19 tests, which remember, when this first happened, we didn't have tests, like in California. I remember election day in California, Mm -hmm. and I believe election day was Tuesday, and that Thursday, I was sicker than I've ever been in my entire life. Mm -hmm. So at this point, I don't even know if I had COVID, but at this time, tests didn't really exist, and getting one was pert near impossible. And you had to be presenting with the worst case scenario of symptoms to be able to actually get tested at the time. Yeah, you were on death's doorstep and they would decide to test you. Yeah. She shared on Instagram that Nick was scared. She revealed that her husband was in intensive care and having a hard time breathing. Days later, the fitness trainer revealed that her husband was in stable condition, but the doctors were still confirming the cause of his health crisis. Two negative COVID tests. The doctors are convinced it's COVID, so they did a third test, she wrote, adding that her husband was responding well to the medication for COVID, and his third test did come back positive for coronavirus. Hmm. April 10th, that uh, April 10th, it was confirmed that Nick was intubated. Klutz wrote, please pray for my husband. Prayer warriors, prayer circles, whatever you've got. He said, I love you. They have decided to put me on a ventilator with a breathing tube, and I'm going to go unconscious, and I don't know when I'll wake up, and I don't know when I'll be able to talk to you again, Klutz told BuzzFeed. God, that is so heartbreaking. And, and they basically had to put him into a medically induced coma. On April 15th, 70 cast members from a Bronx tale gathered on Zoom to pray for Cordero after they found out that he was having trouble with getting the blood flow to his right leg. And if I'm if I'm not wrong, I think you can find that Zoom. 
I'm sure it's there now, yeah. Yeah. April 18th, Cordero is recovering after having his right leg amputated. And as a Broadway actor, you have to think, so much is going through your head at this point. Yeah, what the hell am I going to do? I mean, it's just... So was he out of the coma at this point? I think they had to wake him up to do the surgery. Oh, God. I'm not sure, though. It's a little iffy on, like, when he is conscious and when he isn't conscious. But um, it came down to a point where, honestly, it was life or a leg, and we had to choose life. I get it, girl. Uh, She actually said that to Kathy Park on today, on Monday. And this is the Monday after he got his leg amputated, which was a Saturday. And she said, I chose life. And I completely understand that. Saturday was day 18 of him being sedated in the intensive care unit. Glutes told her social media followers while while in hospital, he started having clotting issues in his right leg and could not get blood to his toes. The blood thinner... He got fixed the clotting issues that were affecting his blood pressure and causing internal bleeding to his intestines. So he is a mess right now. So he's got blood clots. He's having to have blood thinners. He is, uh, he's had his right leg amputated. Uh, But on April 24th, she had good news to share with her husband's fans. He had tested negative for COVID-19, which meant that he would be positive for antibodies at this point, I think. However, hours later, she shared that the doctors decided to put him on a temporary pacemaker after Cordero began experiencing irregular heartbeats. Jesus, man. May 1st, Amanda posted a hashtag, wake up Nick, a sign her neighbors actually hung up all around her. So she's got, oh, you know, she's got people that are pushing on his side, you know. Oh, Jesus. Cordero started his second month in the ICU. New month, same goal. You can do it, baby, she writes. May 8th, an alarming health update. Cordero had been struggling with leg amputations, and then he started to have many strokes and a fungus in his lungs, and then he went into septic shock. A couple days later, she posted, we have some great news this morning. Nick started to follow commands and doing simple tracking. He is very weak, so even opening up his eyes is a struggle, but it's happening. He's starting to wake up. We are by no means out of the woods yet, and there are still concerns with other things, but this is this is this news today on his middle status is a win on may 13th he woke up completely from his medically induced coma according to his wife reported by abc news uh he has been sedated since april 1st so think about april 1st to may 13th and they've done surgeries and strokes and just oh fungus septic shock And there's there's something else coming up that's just awful. Mm. Cordero's wife, Amanda, in an interview with Michael Strahan on Good Morning America said, I can't express how happy I am today. He's officially awake. They always end with, we just need that mental status. We need him to wake up. We need him to wake up. And it's been with this heaviness that has kind of held over us for this time. And to get the news today that he, he is, you know... The doctors say, I, I think we can officially say he's awake and that that was just the best news that you could ever hear. We have a very long way ahead of us, a long road ahead of us, but we are on our way. However, we did learn that due to COVID, Nick's lungs are severely damaged. And this is all a quote from Amanda, if you guys haven't gathered this. And this is her, this is a transcript from her interview. And that's why it's kind of uh, all over the place, wordingly. But 
she said that Nick's lungs are severely damaged. It looks to them like he's been a smoker for 50 years. They're so damaged. Klutz told this morning's co-host Gail King that he had been so critically ill that he may need a double lung transplant. <sighs> Jesus. Uh, Klutz told Strahan that they first saw signs that he was improving on Mother's Day. For the first time, he started following commands, which is a huge deal. Basically, if he answered a question with yes, he looks up, and no, he looks down. And to finally hear the doctor say that we're seeing these early, early signs, but I think it's happening. It's a huge sigh of relief. So he has had... The sepsis, damaged lungs, blood clots, leg amputation, strokes. He has been going through all of this. This is not a joke. Like anybody who thinks that COVID-19 is a joke, follow Amanda Klutz. Everything he went through. And here's the thing about Nick. He was a young man, 41 years old. No, no, was it pre? Pre-existing health conditions. Yeah, no pre-existing health conditions. None of that. Nothing. And he gets this. And it was probably because he's such a nice guy. He was probably meeting with fans after the show. If you think about it that way. Because we weren't, we weren't prepared for this. And I'm sorry to get on my soapbox. But he was 41, insanely talented, newlywed, with a baby. But this kid will never get to know his, his dad in the flesh. <sighs> Please wear your masks. So Klutz had been visiting him daily outside the hospital window. And goes live on Instagram to sing Cordero's song, Live Your Life. Klutz told Strahan that once Cordero gets home, I'm not going to let him leave my side. I cannot wait to be reunited with him. I miss him like crazy. Elvis misses him like crazy. And we can't wait to have him home. Uh, June 3rd, after coming out of his coma, he suffers more setbacks. Every day he's still with us is a miracle. I've been told a couple of times that he won't make it. I've been told to say goodbye, Klutz wrote. Along with a, alongside a photo of Cordero holding their 11-month-old son. I've been told that it will take a miracle. Well, I have faith. Faith that is small as a mustard seed sometimes, but that's all you need sometimes. He's still here and despite all odds, gets slightly, slightly better every day. Where there's faith, there's hope. Where there's hope, there can be a miracle. In June, after 79 days of not being able to visit her husband in the hospital due to coronavirus safety restrictions, Klutz was finally able to visit her husband at the Los Angeles hospital and shared a photo of them holding hands at his bedside. That same month, Amanda told fans that he wasn't able to move or talk. He can't talk because of the ventilator. He can't move because he's so weak, which at this point he's actually going into atrophy because he hasn't moved for 79 days. But he's awake and he's in there. And he can answer questions with yes or no with his eyes. And like I was saying, he, he starts to atrophy. He, his muscles begin to go into atrophy due to the lack of movement, resulting in a significant 65 pounds of weight loss. Wow. On July 2nd, Cordero underwent a procedure to have his temporary pacebreaker removed, according to Amanda. Then the next day, Klutz got candid about the realities of her husband's condition while addressing some of the negativity that she has seen on her social media, explaining that she has continued to focus on her business. Amid Cordero's hospitalization because she's unsure if he'll ever be able to work again. So basically they're attacking her for continuing to push her business. But think about it. He's not going to be able to work for a very long time. He, he has lost a leg, which if you're a tap dancer. That's it, yeah. It's not it. It's not it before 
we offend anyone. I'm not but, trying to be offensive. I just, but it, it can be a really big setback. Uh, yes. Because you kind of have to learn everything all over again. True. The lung damage, that's a different story. Being a singer and breath support is so incredibly important. And I don't know about... I didn't even know a lung transplant was an actual thing. You don't want a double lung transplant? A double lung transplant, I did not know, was a reality. But you think he's lost two two very important parts of his talent. He's lost the leg and he's got he's lost the lungs. So yeah, you know what? If she needs to go on her Instagram and po- you know post something about her business, you don't need to condemn her for going on and posting about her business because her husband is sick. She doesn't know when he's going to be able to work again, and they have a child, and they live in one of the notoriously most expensive cities in the country. Our rent is two grand a month, and I can only imagine what they were paying. So do not condemn her for wanting to make sure her business stays afloat, especially in the time of COVID. I'm just, I'm so, I find myself so angry at this. So she said, my husband has been in the ICU for 91 days. We don't know if he will make it. I hope and pray every single day of my life that he does. But if he does make it, I don't know when he'll be able to work again. She said at the time, I have family. I have bills. I have no idea what Nick's hospital bills are going to be. I haven't even tried to wrap my head around that yet. I've got a mortgage, car payments. I have a son that is one year old that I want to send to college one day or at least give him whatever I can. So it's horrifying, yeah. yeah. And from what I understand, that, what was that? Somebody had an, a million dollar COVID? I mean, the, the bills for the hospital could be just extreme. Yeah, when I look up how much treatments are vaguely for COVID, it's about $40,000. That's terrible. Roughly $40,000. And I think some of that... Without insurance? Yeah. Yeah, so I've seen that just treatment alone for a, a COVID patient is somewhere between forty and 73000 Sounds awful. Yeah, so a lot of money. And he's also had surgeries and other stuff that would not be included in normal COVID treatment, I think. Yeah, but what made my blood boil is people are attacking her for promoting her business and not taking into account that she is going to be the one that has to make all the money Mm -hmm. they've got they're living in los angeles at this point you know mortgage child like she said bills medical bills and and i'm sure that some of it will be taken care of but god only knows so that was on july 2nd Uh, nick had been in the icu for 91 days July 5th, God has another angel in heaven now. My darling husband passed away this morning. He was surrounded in love by his family, singing and praying as he gently left the earth. I am in disbelief and hurting everywhere. My heart is broken, and I cannot imagine our lives without him. Nick was such a bright light. He was everyone's friend, loved to listen, help, and especially talk. He was an incredible actor and musician. He loved his family and loved being a father and a husband. Elvis and I will miss him every day in everything we do, she wrote on Instagram. To Nick's extraordinary doctor, Dr. David Ng, 
You are my positive doctor. There are not many doctors like you. Kind, smart, compassionate, assertive, and always eager to listen to my crazy ideas or call yet another doctor for me for a second opinion. You are a diamond in the rough. I cannot begin to thank everyone for your outpour of love, support, and help that we've received in the last 95 days. You have no idea how much you've lifted my spirits at 3 p.m. every day as the world sang Nick's song, Live Your Life. We sang it to him today, holding his hand. As I sang the last line to him, they'll give you hell, but don't you let them kill your light. I smile because he definitely put up a fight. I will love you forever and always my sweet man. Every day as I process this loss more and more, I realize new things that are hitting me on a daily basis. Today, it was that I lost our family. I lost my husband. Elvis lost his father. But today, I realized we lost our family. We didn't even really get to be a family. We won't have those memories I dreamed of ever since Elvis was born. And this is hitting me hard. It stung like a horrible bug bite, actually. The pain of everything has really begun to stop me in my tracks. I've been doing some, I'll be doing something, and I freeze, unable to think or move. My gut aches. It actually aches deeper than I ever knew it could. I'm saying this tonight in hopes of anyone that can relate. Know that I'm here with you. If anyone feels your pain, you are not alone. Grieving is a journey that we all do differently. Talking about it when I have the strength is helping me. I don't always have the strength. Sometimes I can't talk at all. There are no answers. There is no right or wrong. I can only allow myself the time and the process to be honest with that. Nick was 41 when he passed after spending 95 days fighting the virus. Almost immediately, the tribute started rolling in. Zach Braff, a close friend of both Nick and Amanda for years, led the way with a touching tribute on Instagram. Along with a picture of Nick and Amanda, the Garden State actor wrote, Nick passed at 11.40 a.m. today with his wife and mother by his side. I've honestly never known a kinder person but COVID doesn't care about the purity of your soul or the goodness in your heart. The last thing he ever texted was for me to look out for his wife and one-year-old son, Elvis. I promise the world that they will never want for anything. I feel so incredibly grateful that I got to have Nick enter my life. And if you guys don't know, Zach Braff was actually a co-star with him in Bullets, Bullets Over Broadway. Broadway. Yeah. <sighs> uh, Nick's waitress co-star, Nicolette Robinson, commented, Dear God, please watch over Amanda and Elvis and their family as they navigate through this immeasurable loss. My heart is broken for them and over the loss of my dear friend Nick. Please help Amanda and her family feel lifted by the love surrounding them. Please take care of that sweet, sweet man. We will miss him terribly. Amen. Sending you all the love I can muster, Amanda. I am so sorry. Other condolences, comments came in from around the Broadway community. Um, they came from Hamilton star Leslie Odom Jr., West Side Story, Rachel Ziegler, Dear Evan Hansen's uh, Ben Platt, Catherine McPhee from Smash, Lin-Manuel Miranda offered his well wishes to the grieving widow as well. And his quote was, devastating. What a loss, what a light. Whole heart with Amanda and his family tonight. And a ton of non-Broadway people actually chimed in too. That was Hilary Duff, Viola Davis, Sarah Michelle Gellar. Frankie Grande, which is Ariana's brother, who was a cast member with him in the Revo the, the L.A. version of Rock of Ages. Oh, wow. So if you 
No, Ariana. That's uh, Frankie Grande is her brother. And finally, Jesse Tyler Ferguson mourned the actress's untimely passing while also saying what we are all thinking in regards to dealing with this pandemic as a society. Incredibly sad news. Can we please do what we need to do as a country to fight this virus together? It doesn't care how healthy you are. It doesn't care if you want to go to Fire Island. It doesn't care if you're tired of wearing a mask. Rain it in. Robert Nedry, who understudied Cordero's role in A Bronx Tale, created a petition to change the name of the Longacre Theater to the Nick Cordero Theater to commemorate the Broadway star who died from the coronavirus. Nedry posted the appeal on the petition website Move On, which has already garnered more than 27,000 signatures. I, I think they might change at that point, right? I, God, I hope I so. I hope they do. Like many... Last night was a very hard night's sleep. Nothing but funny and beautiful memories of Nick and our Bronx Tale family. Nidri wrote on Instagram on Tuesday, When I did finally fall asleep, I saw Nick's name above the marquee of a Bronx Tale. It had replaced the name Longacre. As Chaz Palmentary put it in his IG post, Let's all do something to assure that his name is always spoken. He urged changing the name in the New York Theater is the best way to honor and remember a Broadway legend. A Bronx Tale is a musical that was the last Broadway show that Nick starred in. The petition reads, With this passing of this incredibly talented, beloved Broadway star, it's in a perfect memory for him and his family's legacy to assure that his name will always be in lights in the Broadway community. God, that touches me so much. Oh, God. Um, I, th- I think the thing is, is uh, the theater's your family. Yeah. And it's kind of the same thing with film and tv i've worked on you know i've been in film and tv i've been in film and tv since i was four years old and i still have my family from broken the musical (laughs) (laughs) um theater is a family you you create these memories with people there's a sense of community and there's a sense of work ethic that everybody shares and there's nothing like the theater there's there's nothing like working with a group of incredibly talented individuals. And so I can understand even with a Bronx Tale being his last show, people still care. You form bonds that last a lifetime in the theater. And that I, I miss it. I miss it so much. Please, guys, wear a mask. Please, please, please wear a mask. Uh, do what you have to do. Quarantine. Please, I, I just want this community back again. I want to be able to go to a concert. I want to be able to go to a movie without fear. I'm I'm scared now, but all I want to do is to be able to go see a show at the Pantages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is fun. <laughs> I miss it. I want to see the Troubadours. I wanted to go. I wanted to see Tenant from Christopher Nolan. I there there are so many things that I wanted, and just maybe if we work together, <laughs> we can do this again. And before we wrap up, I wanted to give you guys our social stuff. Uh, if you think we're doing a really good job and you would like to give us money, you can go to patreon.com backslash rock and roll heaven. You can find us on Twitter at rock and roll LT. Our Instagram is rock and roll heaven LT. Facebook rock and roll heaven pod. Still not saying our website. You can email us at rock and roll heaven LT at gmail.com. And you can check out all the other awesome Pantheon podcasts at rock and roll archaeology.com. If I said those too fast, you can check that out in the show notes. So just to wrap up, there will be a recording of Live Your Life Live at 54 Below, which is Nick Cordero's cabaret performance, and that will be released on by Broadway Records. 
As previously reported, the Tony-nominated performer died on July 5th after battling complications resulting from COVID-19. The album will be released in just a couple days, actually, on September 17th, which would have been his 42nd birthday. All the proceeds will benefit his wife, Amanda, and their son, Elvis. Live Your Life features guest performances like Cordero's Bullets Over Broadway, co-star Zach Braff, Jaggy Little Pill Standout, and former blogger Catherine Gallagher, his waitress co-star uh, Drew Galing, and his Toxic Avenger co-star Sarah Chase. The show was directed by Emmy Award winner Michael J. Moritz Jr. and was recorded during its run in April of 2019. Pre-orders can be made via Broadway Records or Amazon. So, guys, I'm really suggesting please support Nick and his family and his art and his craft and something that he was so passionate about. I know I'm actually going to be pre-ordering it. Um, but I've never seen my husband work so hard on a show, and boy, was he nervous, Amanda said. It was the first one-man show he had created, and he wanted to give the audiences something to remember. Nick created a night of music and storytelling that was extremely personal, too. This is a mix of Broadway, rock and roll, standards, and original music, and if you knew Nick, it was perfect. And that's how we are going to end today's show, with Nick's song, Live Your Life. Thank you, Nick.
92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never thought about space in my cramped apartment, but in this house, all I see is empty space. The sofa and ottoman look like tiny islands in a sea of hardwood floors. I could get two ottomans in the living room, but then I'd need another sofa. <gasps> I could tell people I'm into minimalism. Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 